it's a new day. It's February. We're leaning into what God has to do in this month. It's Black History Month. And Black so History Month. It is. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I thought it would be even that much more valuable to lean into that subject on this podcast and get better together. Family, multiplication, restoration. I'm Dahadi Lewis. Join me, Noah Odom and Hayden Radden, as we come to you from Atlanta, St. Louis, and Las Vegas, as we seek to add value to your church planning journey. We'll have real-time, authentic conversations that are relevant to the life of the church planner and pastor. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. Welcome to another episode of the We Are Send Network podcast. My name is Noah Oldham, the lead pastor of August Gate in St. Louis, joined as always by Hayden Ratner, the senior pastor of Walk Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. Hayden, how are we doing today, brother? Hey, man, I'm doing great. It's a new day. It's February. We're leaning into what God has to do in this month. It's Black History Month. And Black so, History Month, it is. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I thought it would be even that much more valuable to lean into that subject on this podcast and get better together. So let's get it, man. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and with uh, Dahadi being off today, we had the great opportunity to bring on a special guest and uh, none better really for, for anything that uh, anything we want to talk about network wide is my good friend, my personal friend, Michael Bird from yeah. Faith Community Bible Church in St. Louis. Michael, welcome to the podcast. Man, it is so good to be here. Noah, man, I love you, bro. Always good to hear your voice and see you. I need to um, talk to Hyten about these cornbread crumble cookies that he's been eating. Ooh. We got to talk about those, man. <laughs> That's funny, man. Hey, you know what? We can get some shipped out to you, to you guys from the West Coast. The West Coast. Oh, man. man. And I'll send you some honey bun. Uh, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mike likes those honey buns. <laughs> it's a good trade-off. Man, it's awesome well, hey, to have you yeah. here, Pastor Mike. I'm glad that you're on with us, and uh, we're going to lean into that. It's good. Absolutely. As I said, Michael is a close personal friend of mine, one of my very best friends, confidants, advisors. Uh, this dude speaks into my life so much. And uh, I, not, not everybody on our network gets to know him, though. And so, uh, Michael, just if you would, man, share, us, share with us a little bit about uh, your family and your church. Awesome. Awesome. Again, as they stated, my name is Michael Bird. I have the awesome privilege to have been married to the Tracy Bird for the last 16 years. We just celebrated 16 years about a week and a half ago. So super grateful for her. And I love her so much and thankful to be her husband. Um, we have four kids um, and they're all older. So we're turning a good corner, getting ready to be empty nesters within the next five years. So really excited about that. Born and raised St. Louis, planted Faith Community Bible Church here in North St. Louis City. Um, we celebrate five years this year. So Super excited Man. about that. Yeah. Man, what a journey. Great. Yeah, yeah. The, the joke around St. Louis is, is Michael is now uh, introduced as bishop because he, <laughs> uh, he, he's now pastoring two churches, a church that was planted by somebody else and was found itself in a transition. And Michael came in and now we have two locations, a faith community Bible church. And he actually got introduced at a church planting event recently as Bishop Bird, which was pretty Come fun. Come on, <laughs> Bishop Bird in the house. Let's get yeah. it. 
Hey, what was funny is that somebody actually came up. So did I miss your consecration? I said, no, <laughs> it was a joke. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Hey, as Hyde mentioned, it's February and it's, it's Black History Month. And I think it's an opportunity for us to celebrate the distinct and the unique uh, and specific gifts and, and, and accomplishments of black people in the missional space, in the church planting space. And uh, Mike, I know this is something you're really passionate about. You've uh, educated me in a number of ways. And so, man, let's just, let's just jump in uh, here from the get-go. Let, let's talk about why it's important for us to acknowledge and recognize the black contribution uh, to church planting and mission culture everywhere. Mike, take us away, man. Man, that's man, that's so good. Like, you know, and just thinking through this, y'all, it's been super encouraging, even to me, the process. Because a lot of times we think about Black History Month or Black Inventions, we think about people like Madam C.J. Walker or George Crumb, right, who created the potato chip or or George Washington Carver and peanut butter, right? Yeah. The, which, which all of that is good, hallelujah, yeah. right? <laughs> but, but there's so much more specifically as it pertains to living on mission and being servants for Jesus that we really just don't think about. People like George Lyle, um, the first African-American missionary or, or the first um, black missionary, you think about um, Paul Cuffey and, and Lot Carey. There's so many, um, so many, so many black men and women who have paved the way for us to even serve today. And for so long, man, it, it just, it just goes overlooked, you know, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm for one is just super thankful even for the opportunity to even just go back and think, think about and process some, some of those pioneers who paved the way for me to be able to do what we do today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, helpful. Yeah. yeah, I think about George Lyle and learning about some of his story. And I think Black History Month is a great month. It, it's, it shouldn't be the only month, but it should, definitely should be an emphasized month that we yeah. take moments to really lean in and get better and learn history, especially from missionaries like George Wright, because I'm a big fan of William Carey um, and his missionary journey and following his his, his journals and documents on the, on the way. Um, and he's often known as the father of missions, but right. George took the gospel to Jamaica 10 years before Carrie left. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I was unaware of that until I started to say, you know, I want to be intentional to learn from some of the greatest missionaries of all time. This is a great mm. month to do that. I think it's not just going to uh, uh, deepen your appreciation for black culture and black um, missionaries that have been doing this thing, but it's going to yeah. help you get better. It's going to help put some tools in your tool belt. Yeah. 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 You know, what was interesting to me in this is just really rethinking and really being convicted on how I view mission, right? Yeah. Growing up as a kid in church, like either, either I, I'll just lean into the fact that I probably wasn't paying attention like I was supposed to. I mean, I know like Noah came out the wound save running to see what the end gonna be, right? <laughs> but I just like, like maybe I didn't pay attention, but I didn't, re I don't really remember mission being something that was really put out on the forefront, right? Mm. I mean, I knew I was in a church that was, you know, super old, like 40, 50, 60, 70 years old at the time. But, but you know, and it, and it didn't click in my mind until I really got involved in mission and really got a biblical view on mission 
that even all of those years later, I was a part of a missional church. The, see, the church that I grew up at as a kid, uh, which was Mercy Seat Baptist Church, you know, in today's language, was planted in 1918 by a guy named wow. Reverend Starks, right? Today, that church this year celebrates 103 years, and they still exist today. Man. And, we, you know, in, in our network, we have this big thing where we talk about multiplication, um, discover, develop, deploy. And when we think about that, you know, this church has sent out at least 15 missionaries, wow, be yeah. it police chaplains or church planters or revitalizers. Like even thinking about, like I even thought about the church that my wife grew up at, which was right around the corner from the church I was at. They were planted in 18, um, 1898 by this guy. Here it is. His name, they called him Sin Killing Griffin. Right? Mm, wow. Like, mm, I was like, name. that's a missionary name right there. <laughs> Sin right? Killing Griffin. Come on. Sin Killing Griffin, right? And this year, that church celebrates 123 years. And uh -huh. two, sent out at least five missionaries that I can count. You know, yeah. and all of, and again, these churches still exist. One of the largest churches here in St. Louis, um, they were planted in 1955. That church is now led by the by the the, the guy who planted the church is led by his grandson, and they too mm. have sent out two churches that we know of today, right? And I'm just like, man, all this good missional history right. that we just overlook and miss right in mm. our neighborhoods just because sure. i mean maybe we ignore it maybe we don't focus in on it but mission is mission right and i just yeah. think that like 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 what would happen if the church began to celebrate that yeah yeah dude well said michael i think i think what's so huge about this is black history month is an opportunity really for for education out of ignorance and i don't mean yeah. ignorance in a derogatory term i just mean lack of sure. knowledge Growing sure. up in the spaces that I did, uh, I grew up in a small denomination that was not connected to anybody outside of this small denomination. So there wasn't any kind of pedigree or history to pull from. It wasn't until I went to seminary that I began to learn about church history. And even okay. then, it was like getting through a couple courses really, really fast. Uh, but 10 years ago or 11 years ago now, when Send North America started as an initiative for the North American Mission Board, Southern Baptist said, we're going to get into these spaces where our denomination has not really had a strong presence. Cities, mm -hmm. but most, more specifically, non-South cities. And when we wow. did that, mm -hmm. it meant like a convergence of cultures like never before. And mm -hmm. I, I know that some of the narrative when you come out of just a lack of knowledge is you just assume that there's nobody else there. Right? You're coming yeah. in to start something new. You got to learn the city. But one of the things I was so surprised by when I moved to St. Louis all these years ago now was that there is a really strong presence of black churches all over St. Louis oh, um, yeah. that, that, that are there, that are, have been meeting for a long time, that have been doing the work. And it's that I remember when God, God really convinced my heart, Noah, you're not here to start a movement. You're here to join the movement. That I began yeah. a long time ago. Come on, and I'm welcoming you, you into. Uh, you you've noticed that too, hiding out out in, out in Vegas. Talk talk a little bit about yeah. that. Yeah, I mean it's it's a little bit unique for me because I'm I guess what you call an indigenous church planter. This is my home. I grew up in Las Vegas, but I also grew up very lost and unengaged uh, with the gospel. Nobody ever invited me to church in in my first 18 years of living. So no youth camp, no youth group etc. And so 
I felt like I was a missionary back to my hometown. Um, but I knew my city. And so it was, I was grateful for that and grateful for some initiative from Send Network. Uh, one other thing I think that is, is tailored to this conversation a little bit more as well, though, is and I, when I think about my story and growing up in Las Vegas, I grew up in black culture predominantly because being an athlete, being a basketball player, I can remember many a times on AAU circuits being the only, I guess, uh, I, I felt very minority-ish in gyms. Uh, but it wasn't weird. It was it was family. And so I, I feel like for me specifically, even as a non-black individual in church planter, this conversation, whether it be around racial reconciliation or just this time of celebrating Black History Month is just so important for our network and for planters, pastors to grow in the area of empathy to grow in the area of one another. I think that, you know, we got to be careful to not divorce the, the great commandment from the great commission. You know what I'm saying? Where mm, yeah, we're called to make disciples, but man, we're called to love people the way Christ loves us. I found that I'm, I'm starting to love other cultures. The more I learn about them, you know, I was recently watching uh, a Bruce Lee documentary. I was a 30 for 30 on ESPN on, on Bruce Lee. And, you know, I was just getting to know his story. They were documenting how he kind of came up and started his acting career and not to get too sidetracked here, but right in his acting career, he was getting uh, treated and paid way less than the majority culture that he was doing filming with. And he said, you know what, since the, since the um, segregation amongst Asian Americans is so bad, he said, I'm going to take my talents to China. I'm going to do work out there because I'm honored and appreciated in my culture. And I think that I was like, man, I'm getting an appreciation for, for Asian culture just by learning more of Bruce Lee's story. When I think about Black History Month, man, I'm, I'm, I'm reading a, a narrative on Frederick Douglass' life for this month that I just wanted to spend some time with to just get to know more of his journey in the late 1800s. And I'm like, you know, maybe maybe me and Bird were in class goofing off. I, I missed his story, you know. <laughs> but there's so much fruit and so much freshness in getting to yeah. learn more about him, and not not just him, but the theological pedigree and credibility that comes from a lot of our black brothers and sisters. But specifically, let me remind us of Athanasius, uh, Tertullian, who coined the term the Trinity, uh, Augustine right? Like these guys were killers, man, in a good way, right? Sin killing Griffin. And, and you know, <laughs> Acts chapter 13, verse one, talks to us about these early prophets, one of them named Simon, who's also called Niger. And I remember reading that passage and ESV gave you a little footnote for what the phrase Niger meant and meant black man. You know, so I'm like, man, I love how even the text in the book of Acts is acknowledging color here and not doing it in a negative way, but doing it in a celebration way. And yeah. so I think what yeah. we're doing on this podcast is, is right. It's, it's, it's timed up. I'd love to hear uh, Bishop Bird take us through <laughs> into that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, man. I mean, you, you are spot on, man. Like, you know, so, so for me, you know, really just really diving into like a lot of the history even of African-American missionaries, I really knew nothing about. 
Um, yeah. Because I really just didn't do the homework at that yeah. time to dig deeper. Because when we, like, when we talked about, like, like for me growing up, mission was the WMU, right? And I mean, mm. that, that was what it was. And I didn't, like, I didn't, not only did I know, not know what the WMU was, but I never really saw it active, you know? Mm. But it wasn't really until, really, I bumped heads with a guy at an event here in St. Louis. Uh, Noah, you may know him. His name is Noah. Uh, <laughs> he, <laughs> he, he, he talked about, like, being called to be on missions. Like, for me, I'm like, yeah, I'm called to start a church. He's like, no, you're called to be a missionary. I'm like, well, good. What's that? I can't be a part of the WMU. I know the W stand for women. You, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, so really just, just doing the homework, man. Like, you know, I find out, man, that like, uh, one of the reasons why I was having such a difficult time was that for me, you know, uh, church planting wasn't looked at um, for those around me as missionary work. It was just like dudes would disagree with something that they pastor said or did. Mm. So they would go start a church to show them they can do it better. Mm, yeah. Right. Um, so really trying to really wrap my mind around that. Yeah. I mean, I felt alone. I felt like I had no examples, but wow. then you be, I begin to hear about guys that I could, that I can actually reach out and touch right? Like a Floyd Morris. I preached, like I preached my first sermon at Mercy Seat, but Floyd Morris planted a church called Perfect Peace in St. Louis, right? Mm. Lived on mission where he was and invited me to preach. That was the second Great. time I had ever preached outside of, you know, my home church. Thinking about a Edward Gibson, again, planted a church in inner city St. Louis, right? Um, Hilliard Martin, Somebody who I was like, oh, you know, I wonder what he's doing. But he, until the day he died several years ago, he was a missionary on the police department. He was a chaplain, right? I think about even Great. today, Pastor Ben Chandler serving right here in my city, right? Mm -hmm. um, revitalizing the church here. This church had maybe six members when he took over the church, but by him pastoring those people and loving them, as a missionary, their church has Good. grown to a little over a hundred people since he's been there, right? I think about Pastor Keelan Atkinson, planted a church right here in St. Louis, who now has moved to Greensboro, North Carolina, and planted, hear this, a SBC church there, African-American man, the word church, and is doing great right there. Uh -huh. Like, like, like these are the guys that I was able to learn from, guys like Lena right. Hope, who planted um, Bethany Baptist Church or Melvin Smotherson who planted Cornerstone Church or Fred Norris who served as a missionary, hear this, in nursing homes, right? Those Come who, you know, you know, really mm -hmm. living out and serving the least of these. So, so like, like, I don't, like, somebody would like, well, why won't we um, talk about Daniel Coker from 1820 or Colin T from 1821 or John Day from 1830. Man, I celebrate God for what everybody who paved the way for us, you know, is doing. But I just can't take my mind right now off of the fact that there's mm. 15 or 16 folks like that yeah. I just know of that I can yeah. that I could have reached out and touched. Yeah. And I didn't honor them while they're here. So today I want to give them their flowers because That's good. I'm Come the on. man I am today because those guys paved the way. Man, such good. a good word, man. Like, 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 if you I, like if I, 
like like honestly, if I can have my way, I want to change the narrative. Yeah. For inner city church plan. I want folks to know, that's like, it. yes, God is still calling missionaries today. That's good. Come on. It, it, that, that's a great segue, Mike, because I want to get in this before we're done. You talked about the past. Black History Month is an opportunity for us to celebrate the past. You just got done celebrating a little bit of the present of like, mm-hmm. hey, these are people that poured into your life and are here right now doing great. great missionary work. But for a moment, let's turn our attention to the future. Because if we're mm-hmm. going to be a network that plants churches everywhere for everyone, if we want to see a healthy multiplying church in every community mm-hmm. across North America, that is going to be a diverse project. And mm-hmm. we are going to need to lean into and lean on the leadership and the unique and specific accomplishments of black men and women in our network. And so, Mike, mm-hmm. I know that you have spoken to this. You're doing things in your church where do we, what do we need to go? What do we need to encourage? And how do we help? How do we cheer on our black church planters um, as they look to the future and what they are doing and what need to do to see this movement perpetuated out of what they're doing currently? Oh man, that's a great question. One of the things, one of the things that I would say, guys, is number one, we always got to remain biblical. Right. Yeah, man. And it's and, and I mean, yeah, that goes without saying. But does it really? Because mm-hmm. you know, I want I, I want to preface that right away because Scripture does not call us to comfort. Scripture calls us to unity, right? Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I tell our church all the time is that if that God doesn't care about our comfort, if He did, He would have named us silly posturepedic, right? But that's <laughs> not. That's not what he what he named us. Like like we're we're called to unity and not comfort. So that means that some of the times we have to not only have difficult conversations, but be a part of networks or denominations where it may not always be easy. But I'm gonna yeah. tell you something, right? Like Noah and I are in deep relationship together because we invested the time. We had hard conversations, right. like, but we invested that time together. And I think that if we want to see our network move forward, if we want to invest in African-American leaders or whatever the case may be within our cities, then we have got to pursue scripture more than we pursue comfort and do what's necessary to have the difficult conversation. Again, I mean, if it's about the kingdom, then we have to know something that we say all the time. It's not about the name that's on the back of the jersey. It's about the name that's on the front. Right. Wow. We are all on the same team and that's to make Christ wow. known. And we should want to do that. Yeah. yeah. Mike, Mike, tell us, tell us about yeah. what you're doing in your church to raise up future leaders. I, I want people to understand this, that, that it's not, not necessarily the big suburban church with all this business background, raising up leaders mm-hmm. uh, that's going to perpetuate this mission. It is literally uh, a, a church plant that in the inner city that says, hey, we see a vision for the future and we want it to look different. What are you doing right now to see that perpetuated? Man, that's so good. So when we think about, when we think about um, developing leaders, the idea there really is less than one or 2% of our church will turn out church planters. But what mm-hmm. I do know is the men at our church will father children. They will have wives. They will serve on their jobs, right? What I do know is that the women will nurture um, their children. They will love their husbands. While they may not be church planters or ever serve on a church plant team, we do know that they are called to be leaders. They are called to do ministry and do mission where life exists. 
So everything that we do is about developing leaders, right? We want, we want guys to know that like, hey, you, you can be a leader and never preach a sermon. Maybe that means that you need to lead the bathroom ministry. That's fine. Mm. Maybe that means, right, we need you to go and lead the prayer walking ministry. That's fine. But taking advantage of every opportunity that we can to pour into those men and women to see them give God glory in all that they're doing. Now, we do have a preaching lab and where we invest in men who feel called to preach. There is okay. guys within this lab, right, where we like, you know what, we do really sense that you will pastor one day. But before you, before you, before you plant a church, you got to learn how to live the word, mm-hmm. right? Uh, because we don't want to be guilty of developing men who articulate the gospel but don't live the gospel. Because right. hot water heats up the pipe first, and we want these guys to be boiling with truth so much so that it affects their character and their integrity. So just finding ways, man, where we can just really encourage encourage our men. To, to serve where they are now with the hopes that from that, like God will raise up leaders, the next church planters, the next deacons, the next missionaries who will go overseas to follow the George Lyles and all of those others that went before us to push back lostness across the globe. Come on. So good, man. Love how you put that, Mike. That's great, man. Love how you're doing that. I love how you're doing that already. You're an example of uh, what we're talking about. You know, we want, we want to celebrate the past, want to celebrate the, the, the current, and we want to celebrate the future work that's going to come out of your house. And, um, you know, Noah, hey, if I could just add one more thing that, that was just speaking to me just now um, from, from, from Bishop Bird, man. Like, I love how you just recalled, I, I think, 15 different names, first and last names of black brothers and sisters, pastors, leaders, and their church names. And there's affinity, there's relationship, there's context. And that's just primarily in, in the loo, right? And I'm thinking, man, I think that's one, if I, if no, you didn't ask me the question, I'm not offended, bro. Um, But if I were to answer the question, um, you know, what, what's one way for the future? I think it's going to be relationship. Mm-hmm. It's gonna be it's gonna be getting to know more brothers, sisters, pastors. There's some there's a lot of really strong black women of God that are leading well in different spaces that we can learn from. And yeah. I think that, you know, I, I want to do a better job in not just celebrating a month of accomplishment, etc. Um, but man, I want to go deeper in my relationships with uh, minority leaders across our city first. And that's something that I, I caught from you today, Pastor Mike, is you have that. And then that that creates open doors for real conversations, even for if there happens to be a correction or if I need correction, you know, like there's that one anothering if that relationship's established. And I just think, man, it takes intentionality at a, at a high level. And so um, I, I caught that today. I like how my, my brother... Uh, Pastor Brian Crawford says it out of Mississippi. He's he's also a Sun Network um, black planter, him and his wife, Candy. And um, yeah, he just says, Hayden, learn the story. Learn the story. You'll get better the more you learn the story. And you'll, you'll grow in love the more you learn the story. You'll, you'll grow in empathy the more you learn the story. And so I think that's what that, that has to do with Jesus and his story. 
And that has to do with other culture stories, specifically black culture here today. So, man, I feel better. I feel charged up. I feel like I'm, I, I'm, I've, I've grown through this podcast and I'm honored to be a part of it, man. Amen. Michael Bird, thank you for joining us for this episode, brother. It is always good yeah, to man. see you. Um, I know this is going to be helpful for everyone listening. Hey, for those who are listening, thank you for joining us for another episode of the We Are Send Network podcast. As always, yeah. hit that subscribe button, like, and share. Uh, spread the word about what God is doing in Send Network. If you want to know more information about planting with the Send Network, just check us out uh, at sendnetwork.com, or you can text the words Send Network to 888-123, 888 888- one, two, three. And until next time, we are Send Network. You have been listening to We Are Send Network, a resource of the North American Mission Board. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.